Hello, Clay. Welcome back to our little podcast about Star Trek. Are you ready to float in the proverbial space of podcasting media with me? Oh, yeah. Pull me in close, baby. I got something to tell you. <clears throat> now that I know, <laughs> now that the oxygen in this office is starting to run out, I have some I have some important things to tell you. Namely, just the password for the Patreon account. If I die, <laughs> how are you? Good. Yeah, voice is getting better. <clears throat> uh, aside from that, doing pretty well. <laughs> Yourself? Good. Your voice does sound better. Actually, I didn't. I, Thank you. It, it sounded so much better that I didn't even sort of realize that it was better. You know what I mean? It was just like back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like. 85 percent 90 percent back to normal we are here which based on the last time when i was like oh my voice is so bad and everyone else was like i can't even tell the difference <laughs> I'm like, wow what do i sound like <laughs> normally or we just need to up the bit rate of our podcasts i guess if that's if, if, if we all sound like tin can radio man this yeah. is day of honor it's with a u if you're in britain it's just an o if you're in the americans Day of Honor is the third episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on the 17th of September, 1997. It was written by Jerry Taylor, directed by Jesus Salvador Trevino. In-universe date is not specifically known. It's sometime in 2374. In Day of Honor, Lieutenants Belana Torres and Tom Paris admit feelings for each other while close to death. A race of homeless <clears throat> aliens... <laughs> <laughs> asks for Voyager's help, but are not quite satisfied with what they receive. They have a spaceship, but they're not that homeless, right? Doesn't that that makes everybody homeless if you just don't have a planet to yeah. go to? I was really, I was really surprised by that scene where Janeway goes to the city council meeting and says they really need to clean up the the sidewalks in front of Voyager because it's getting <laughs> disgusting. The guy should have, have some more empathy than that. Yeah, Jamie. the guy Come should on. have started like a tent city on Voyager and they're just like, what the, how are we going to get rid of these aliens? And people say, there's no problem here. There's no problem. Um, yeah, I mean, they are obviously set up to be homeless. They do the uh, aggressive homeless thing of like you give them a little bit of money and they're like, is that it? <laughs> it was, <clears throat> it was kind of really, um, both sides of the fencing there, as far as the view of homeless people. It, it was, people, yeah. They were, they were, they were, they were assholes. They were assholes. Where it's but. like these are people who should be helped, <laughs> but also maybe not by us. Kick the can down the road. They can pick it up and they can use it to put coins in. Uh, so, Day of <laughs> Honor is the third episode of this one. I don't know. Do, do you want to start with like it's got the A and the B thing? It's got Seven's story with the homeless aliens, and it's got the. I don't even know if the, I don't even know if the the, the memory alpha implies that the Taurus in Paris story is the primary one. Uh, I don't even know if I would really agree with that. Uh, but wherever you want to start, well, I guess we can go there. I, I don't think the Taurus in Paris. Well, first of all, I liked seventy five percent of this episode. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I really liked what they were doing with Torres. I really liked the whole Day of Honor concept thing and how she was fighting against it and didn't know if she wanted to go down the path of her Klingon nature. Yeah, <laughs> before um, we go there, though, did you like the Klingon? He's like, are you ready for the hardest day of your Klingon life? First, I love that. you're going to have it's, an appetizer. It, <laughs> then you're going to chase <laughs> it down with some wine. <clears throat> it will be a cold meatball. <laughs> That has been out since the first guest has come to the party. <laughs> um, no, I really like that that whole sequence 
like if you took that exact script and just used different voices that I feel like you could plug that right into lower decks and it would fit perfectly. Yeah. Like if instead of Torres, it was Mariner, I think it would fit perfectly. <clears throat> I liked, I liked that whole concept and I like what they were trying to do with Torres, but I was not expecting this to end with, I'm going to get some honor by telling you, I love you. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit, that's the part I didn't like, but, uh, <clears throat> I liked what the the setup. I liked her being very suspicious and not trusting of Seven. Um, I liked the Seven stuff quite a bit. I think um, Jerry Ryan is automatically a a, a a plus one for the show. Um, I like her performance. Um, this felt like the first yeah. episode of the Seven that I, I sort of recognize in a way, like even sure. even down to yeah. how she looks and and everything like yes. that. But yeah. Um, that suit is preposterous. Yeah. Great ass. Like it's, there's no, <laughs> I, I can't say there's really a flaw in any part of it, but it's just, it's so It's very ridiculous. tailored. It's extremely tailored. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like a one use suit because you have to be cut out of it at the end of every day. Yeah. I'm just, just the tailoring of her of her breast area. Like the tailoring is so precise. It's very aggressive. It's very yes. precise. It's interesting. Um, I just think of like folding it. <laughs> it must be because it's one of those things where there's like excess material at the top. You can't fold it evenly. It's just, it's just a very, well, the whole thing. middle section is probably like a, a corset. You right. Know? It's probably yeah. like a hard. Yeah. yeah. Just not. That's a hang only garment. Wes, you don't fold that. That's shit. true. Yeah. Dry, dry clean only for Jerry's uh, cat suit. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess I I think I liked the seven stuff better than the Blana stuff. Mostly, yeah. I think I like the seven storyline a little bit better. Um, it's clear this has given me really good big um uh, DS Nine season four vibe. Uh, four, yeah, four. The season where Worf is introduced, right? I'm feeling very similar to that in that. In the DS9 season where Worf is introduced, Worf is involved in like every episode of the season for no particular reason. Like there's just, yeah. they're, they're, the writers are clearly excited to play with a, new, a new toy, toy. That, yeah. that's there. And so he's <laughs> in every scene for some reason. Uh, Seven is getting there. Obviously, they're going to go in the thing that we kind of predicted, which is that they're not going to continue to play her as someone who's super shifty. She's she's kind right. of on board yeah. now, and so it's like the the perspective is really she's on board, but you have to convince everyone else that she is on board. They don't believe that that's the case so far. Yeah, mostly. I I actually really like that. Even Janeway wasn't sure. Yeah. in this episode, I think I think personally, I would prefer the other way. If Seven was yeah. a little bit more suspicious than what she is. And if there was a sense of like, yeah, you can't really trust her yet. I don't, I don't know what she's up to. Um, but the thing that, that I mostly think about Seven is that it's it's really interesting to me, probably even in a bigger sense than what this episode does, is that uh, Seven's story is really uh, a reboot of the show's original concept of no one trusting each other. That's It's like, it's surprising yeah. that they rebooted that idea so strongly. And I think they're obviously doing it better because they've stuck with it for three episodes at this point. So it's like, oh, okay, it means something. But that's really the most surprising thing to me is that she's not... 
her positives and her negatives are interesting. She's not a very original character, I don't think. And her storyline is a reboot of the original Voyager setup. Like I I see her at this point at least as she's not very different from Data, except they don't trust her. So it's like an untrustworthy yeah. Data. <clears throat> well, she's she's different from Data in that yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's it's similar now. But I was going to say, at the in the first half of the episode, <clears throat> the thing that makes her dissimilar to Data is that Data is always looking to do the more human thing, mm-hmm. and Seven is not even considering it. Which I thought was well, I really like that stuff when when uh, when they were like, "You had this information the whole time, yeah. you didn't tell anybody," and she's like, "I mean, that's not what Borg do." Yeah. We take, we don't give. Yeah, like that. That stuff is interesting to me. <clears throat> but I think if you, because I don't cute. think it's that much different. I thought that felt a little. Yeah. That, I, I, that that was such a throwaway. I was like, ah, that feels a little bit too cute. There, I, I, I wish this was a little <laughs> bit more of a of a thing because I, I see the conflict there about her not being used to this new style of life and how they do things. Um, it still to me feels a little bit just like it's surface level stuff in some way. I don't know yeah. how you get it to be any deeper than that. But Well, I think the issue is I don't really know what Seven wants at this point because yeah. like it feels like it should it's, it would be more natural for her to be a, more reluctant to come around. Yep. Um, but they seem to be playing her as though she's like she she is um she's actively working to get people to trust her. Yeah. You know, like every nobody trusts her and she's like, "Oh, well, what do I have to do to to prove to you that I'm not being duplicitous?" Yeah. <clears throat> Where it seems feels like the more natural way to do it coming off of the way they set her up would be to have her um a little bit uh hesitant still. To, to, to come around completely, you know? Yeah, I feel she's like, on the scale of... On the scale of 1 to 10, between <clears throat> like totally indifferent and wanting to be a part of things, like the wanting to be a part of things is like a 10. She's kind of like a 6.5, sort of like she's... Yeah. She's just over the line of being... Because I think they still write her and play her as though she's not going out of her way. To help people, she will do it if it is something that can happen and it wraps up a storyline. But she's not, you know, in Janeway's office going like, "Oh, give me something to do. Let me True. let me prove True. that this yeah. is what what the people want." So I, I appreciate that. I I think I would actually prefer if she was like a four or four point five on that scale. I wish she was yeah. a little bit more indifferent to what everyone else wanted. Um, but yeah, it's really I, a minor I, minor concern at this point. I do like the point of view. Where she's, I like her point of view being, well, you either trust me or you don't. Yeah, yeah. you know, and like it, it not being really up to her, yeah. um, or she doesn't really care. You know, it's like, well, you either give me a job, which is why you brought me here, or you put me back in the brig or whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I think I would say <clears throat> that she's close to data, and obviously, like her affect is very data-like, and the fact that she kind of knows yeah. things, she knows a lot of stuff, like an android would know things. I, I I don't think she's exactly like Data in that I think that they're what you're saying, like they're playing her in a position where she's not actively sort of as helpful or as like um 
sort of optimistic his data is in a lot of ways. And I think that that's good and fine. I think maybe the problem at this point is that her performance is a little bit more than what her characterization is, really. So, like, her 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 roboticness is, like, pr- primarily the driver of her, um, like, appearance, for lack of a better word. I, I, I think that they have not quite settled into how you tell a seven-story super effectively. I think they're still trying to figure out sure. what this means. Yeah. And so yeah. she strikes me as data in that sense in that it's like, it's this character who doesn't really understand anything and all the other scenes with other characters of them explaining what this means to this person. Hopefully they move away from that relatively quickly because I don't yeah. really care for that kind of uh, story. But I I like the performance. I was I was hesitant on her in her Scorpion appearance, but I think she's gotten a lot better once they moved away from this Borg persona thing and she's now her own person. Um, and I think that I don't think this is a great episode. I think it's fine. But I do feel, at least a couple episodes in, this could all torpedo. I do feel that this season is different in terms of what the stories that they're trying to tell include. Sure. I don't know if it's a yeah. seven thing. This is, it just feels different. <clears throat> I think it's. A, I think this is a better episode than most of the ones we watched last I would season, agree with that. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it's still... Right, um, I, 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 this difference this season seems to be... There just seems to be a lot more characters talking sort of quote unquote heart to heart than there were last sure. season. It's last season sure. felt like just pure techno babble and like bullshit talking to each other. And this one feels yeah. well like they're talking. Like they have something they they have like a real thing to talk about when they communicate with each other. Yeah, I think I think seven is a big addition because <clears throat> they've kind of they, everything was pretty stale at the end of last season. Um the kinds of stories they were telling. And I mean, the fact that we are talking about this reinvigorating it the way that we are is yet another indictment of the fact that they just dumped the concept of the show yeah. so early because clearly it's interesting yeah. and clearly it's, <laughs> it's worth watching yeah. and you can tell stories with that concept, <clears throat> but they just ironed everything out so fast and things be- got so homogenized into the, you know, generic Star Trek stuff that it was tough to really get into a lot of it. But here, when you've got a character who now you've got someone who, when the aliens that you're trying to help show up and they find out you have a Borg on, on the, on the ship, they freak out and (laughs) demand, demand you give her over so they can (laughs) eat her, torture her (laughs) or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, that's fairly compelling stuff for this show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's been she's been a boon, either directly or indirectly to it. Because um, even, you know, you can tie it into the Tom and Paris thing. I think the, I think the Tom and Paris relationship stuff in this episode the, is a mistake. I think this is Torres a bad. Torres and Paris, you mean? What did I say? Tom and Paris. Oh, Tom and Paris. Well, Tom Tom is in love with himself. It's true. Well, the, it the, is the most important relationship. The, 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 his hand. The, the, no no woman could match the beauty of his own hand. Um, the thing about it is that like, so I think in some ways, like the seven stuff with the characterization and what I was just talking about, the characters actually talking to each other is all well and good. I think the Tom and the Bolana stuff is the bad example of this attempt to do this, yeah. right? So it's like, I, it, it works with seven because she's new. I do not think that they've laid the groundwork effectively for what they're trying to do with Bolana and Tom 
in this episode and specifically how quickly it turns. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I was blown away. She says, I love you at the end of this. I knew where it was yes. going, but I was like, you don't need to say I love you. This is, this is I mean, premature. Frankly, I think Tom feels the same way based on the way he responded. <laughs> the only thing, the thing I really liked about the end is that there was no scene where they were both in sick bay going like, well, let's never talk about this thing again. It just ends <clears throat> with them being yeah. beamed back on the Voyager, which I liked, but I I don't like the, I found the day of honor stuff to be kind of like generic Klingon bullshit. That is sure. like that. They kind of tack on the Bolana. I, I didn't think, I don't think Tom Paris has developed to a point where these characters are going to have a conversation about how much he's changed because it doesn't feel like anything has really happened with him. He's just not been in storylines anymore. So you don't right. see him yeah. as much. Well, he's been working on himself. Yeah, I, I guess that's the case. Off it would have been, it would, that's the, that's the episode 27 of each season, but I don't know how you felt. I just, to me, it felt, it felt very melodramatic, unearned and sort of like, ah, a little cringy, a little bit like, ah, I don't, I don't want this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think this is the time or place to be talking about this. Well, I liked, I liked it. I didn't like that stuff. Um, but the, the other stuff they did with Bolana, I did like, but the problem is I think they kind of had three separate things going on at the same time with her and they couldn't really pick a lane of what they wanted to do. And they tried to tie it all up with the final scene, but, um, it, uh, it just doesn't, it, I didn't think it worked because <clears throat> you've got the day of honor stuff, which is, um, personal reckoning with who she is stuff. Right. And I, I, I do, I did find that stuff kind of interesting. Um, <clears throat> you've got the, the way she's reacting to seven stuff, which is, seems to be a kind of a separate thing. And then you've got the, the, the stuff with Tom and I don't think any, I don't think the three of those things really line up in any meaningful way, other than the fact that Bolan is just kind of being shitty to everybody. Yeah, I, I think the weakness of the Day of Honor concept is that it does not cleanly run through the plot lines that right involve exactly. Her. Yeah, it's just not, it's not really fleshed out well enough to really, really care about what's going on. Yeah. And so when you get to the end, and she's like, "It's time for me to have honor in my life," yeah, by telling you, "I love you." It's like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's how that works. No, it's, it's. I wish I wish the holodeck Klingon showed up and said, "No, you are supposed to kill him for honor." <laughs> he, he floats by in his own spacesuit. Eat this pie and kill this man. <laughs> Just dabbing his mouth with a napkin. Just, oh, the day of honor is delicious. Yeah, a lot of eating on the day of honor. Yeah, I, 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 I think that I think that pinpointed the weakness to me is that her day of honor feels super superfluous to it. It just feels like yeah. it's like the generic catch-all that will describe what's going on in your life. Although I don't think it lines up at all because she doesn't really reconcile with seven. And yeah, I just assumed it was supposed to be her birthday. Yeah, and so you know, so I was kind of like, all right, yeah, she's there's a certain. Uh, kind of Klingon tradition that goes along with birthdays that she's not ready to deal with. But again, they didn't they didn't really expand on anything, so it was kind of hard to to tell. And it was uh, <clears throat> I didn't think if all of that stuff was just laying track to get to the Tom and her stuff at the end. I didn't really think that was the time. Either. Like, I, yeah, it's like I liked that stuff up until they went over the edge with it because like. 
having him come in and like be like, yeah, so you know, we built this thing together, like showing that they're spending time together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, you mean the holodeck the, program that they? Yeah, yeah, the holodeck program. The fact that they're having dinner or they're supposed to have dinner, like that stuff is good. I think you can hold off on the I love yous for a couple up. Ep- like <laughs> that's the way that that this episode ends. I feel like it's it's not supposed to be the point where she says I love you. It's supposed to be the point where she like kind of recognizes that maybe she does have yeah. like it's not supposed to, you're not supposed to verbalize it at this point. No, that, the voy- Voyager is supposed later. to appear before she says it, and it stops. Right. It prevents her from saying it. Yeah, or even not even that. Like just going through this with him is something that pushes her down the line a little bit towards that. Like she, I'm not saying she needs, she should be at that point. At, I'm saying yep. she shouldn't be at that point at all yep. at this point. <clears throat> the other thing that I did like was I was legitimately curious as to how they were going to get out of this because I really did like, and I guess this is kind of a fourth thing that is kind of incongruous, but I really liked the, the whole day just getting worse and worse for her yeah. where like everything she did, went wrong and they had to eject the warp core and I'm like, it's just the worst possible day you could have. And I found that stuff interesting, but I just didn't like the resolution of like, Oh yeah, I love you. That makes everything fine. Yeah. Do you, do you think that they've established the Tom and Bellano relationship effectively to this point then? Because they have been showing no. them together for little to no reason in a lot of episodes. Yeah. Just not, not to the, I don't think they've established it well enough to earn this ending. I I don't think they've established that there is a potential relationship at all. It seems like they just hang out with each other because they kind of like seem like, like they they kind of, you know, they, they have a little bit of like Bashir and O'Brien thing. It's like the joke is, you know, there's like, Oh, it's very homoerotic, but it's, it's really, they're just paired together because they complement each other quite well on a writer level. So yeah, there's a couple jokes. Like it makes some mention of, um, Paris always wanting to get to the handsy stuff or something. I don't know. There's some some joke about like him always wanting to be to to be close to her. They or do. I, I honestly, <clears throat> I think that might only be these this episode, right? Like, it, I I don't yeah. get that sense prior to this. It really just feels like. Yeah. I guess my point is that like it feels just like they've been paired together because the writers think that they kind of antagonize each other a little bit in a way that yeah. you can write easily. Yeah. But this episode takes a jump and says, no, actually they've been falling in love that entire time. I go, Oh, that's yeah. surprising. I didn't, I didn't recognize that that's yeah. what was happening. This, the ending of this should be like episode 10 of the season, right? Where yeah. you've spent 10 episodes developing this idea. Of yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, that stuff is great too, because if you're writing a show or writing anything, really, you can just throw that stuff in if you need to fill space, yep. you know, like it, it, they don't, they don't have to be the focus of every episode, but if you do like, one scene every couple episodes where Tom and Bolan are kind of flirty with each other. Yeah. That's enough yeah. to get to the point where you have the one episode where you're going to deal with this and really um, do it for real and then run out of ideas immediately after you do that, <clears throat> as you always do. Was Bolana being a half Klingon the right decision? I Sure. I don't know. Works for me. I think it's, I think it's an interesting concept. Because I think that the 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 problem with the Day of Honor stuff is that I like you've already had you've already kind of done this with Worf. I think like Worf is the mm. embodiment of the Bolana paradox. Really, it's like she's just a more genetic 
representation of it. She's like, I'm half human, half. But it's kind of, it's a kind of flip of it because Worf is the hipster Klingon who is really into, who didn't grow up with Klingon stuff, but is really into Klingon yeah, stuff. He, he, well, he's the Klingon Whereas, mixed in with humans and Bolana right. is more like the human. It's more like she, like Worf is more clearly an outsider and Bolana is more like she's a human who has anger issues and that gives her problems basically. You know, it's like there's a, yes. Yeah. Worf is a little bit more of an extreme outsider thing. I, I think I would have, if I were to reboot it, I would have Bolana be some other half, half species. I think. I think we're just. I think the Klingon stuff is just kind of done at this point. It's like yeah. you, you've, you've already done it with Worf. I think, in that, in my opinion, um, and I don't think that leading to the Day of Honor thing that they've really ever spent any time with Bolana's sort of concern about her heritage, or at least it's never effectively come across yeah. to me as a reason that this is a problem. Besides her being did, angry. It did kind of, yeah, it, I, I did kind of think that where I was like, this is not, I mean, I like the idea, but this is not something that they've ever really brought up before. Yeah. It's always just that she's angry. She but, has a know, temper. Yeah. But you don't need to be Klingon to have a temper. Um, so but I, it I, helps. It helps. I, 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 I think I would reboot the show and give her a different concern or a different background or something. Um, but outside of that, I thought that the, I didn't like the space floaty stuff at all, the dialogue there. But I was kind of sad that I don't think there's ever an entire episode of Star Trek where this is the problem. And I kind of like those situations where people are just stuck in some... It's very much like um, The Martian. Like, I wish the episode was built around, like, oh, random yeah. problems that came up and they had to fix and yeah. things like that. But the only problem here is that he, Tom, runs out of air and she has to plug her air into him. <laughs> but I... Did you notice that... Um uh, Paris. What the hell's the actor's name? Uh, Robbie Dunks. Robert Duckett. Bobby Dunks. That's right. <clears throat> that uh, he started like talking in like slow motion when they got into yeah. space, yeah. and I was like, "What the hell is he doing? <laughs> He's just in a space suit. It's not like the words are floating." It's <laughs> he was he, he was he was doing the slow motion fight from that Enterprise, the like fourth season where it's uh, RoboCop versus yeah. Archer. They're just whew. speaking. Speaking of slow motion fight scene, it's ama- it's amazing you brought that up because I was uh, when I was working out today, I was watching the '60s Batman show. Mm-hmm. And I watched this unbelievable scene where the Riddler had flooded the basement of the Gotham Bank and uh, was down there in scuba suits trying to break the the money out. And so Batman and Robin have to go down with like rebreathers on. And so they did a quote unquote underwater fight, Mm -hmm. which was just them very slowly (laughs) moving towards each other and throwing punches (laughs) while there was like a like a filter that looked like bubbling water in front. It was fucking amazing. It was unbelievable. And the, 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 the theme slowed down too. Yep. So it felt a lot more like languid. Very good. That show was fantastic. That's taking a concept and swimming with it. Yeah. No, they, they don't. Unfortunately here, the space thing doesn't really amount to much of anything, but I wish it was because I like those situations. Um, I, I, I did. I did think the ending of this was very convenient because it really, it's one of those endings where if, if you are a detail hound, mm. you're going to come away from this episode not going, I'm so glad that they finally told each other that they love each other. You're going to be going like, wait a minute. 
Did they fix the warp core? Yeah, where is it? How did they get the warp? Did they get it back? They had to like do stuff to it before they could plug it in. Like, there's a lot of that stuff that of the things that happen that they don't address, and you don't really need to. But it's just one of those ones where I was like, oh, this is. I could see people getting annoyed at this. Yeah, the the warp core is fun. The warp core to me is a pretty good example of something I've talked about before, which is that in the with the move to CGI things like this can happen now. Like you can just eject the warp core and have it like floating around behind you. Um, The other, like the other ones I think of are, uh, you know, I think it was in Picard or discovery, right? Like where the ship has a tractor beam and it's like throwing asteroids at other ships. It's like, that's not a model thing. They could never do that. So that's all CGI and stuff like that. But there's something, I feel something was lost in the tone where when the models went away and they were allowed to do sort of superhero-y comic stuff with the spaceships, I, I feel it really hurt the show in a lot of ways. It's, it ends up doing things like you seeing the warp core just drifting off feels strange. Like it's, yeah, you know, for like, and it, not that there's anything wrong with the idea, but it, it does leave me in like the detail realm of like, that thing is like the vital core energy source of a ship and it comes out clean there's no wipe yeah. after that it, it just no. falls out and it just floats away it's it's interesting nope. i don't know yeah i it's i don't uh i think they did it that was a big part of lower decks last in the second season i think is they eject the warp core right because that it's oh, was one it? of those things remember. they always yeah i think so it's one of those things they always talk about in star trek but they never do yep. and so when they actually did it i was like oh my god we're gonna get to see it and then it was just like <laughs> it floats off <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It was it wasn't. I did wasn't crazy. I, I I did like the immediate aftermath though when Torres was like, "Yeah, we are at a dead stop, and now because we just came out of warp, the warp core is like three hundred light yeah. years away." <laughs> you got to be <laughs> quick on the stop far button. It was. Yeah, if, if the warp core falls out, you got to got to quickly go. What do you need a warp core for? You get those those shuttles that have apparently light speed built into them. Yes, just take all those shuttles. Wrap, Di- put some wires them. on Voyager and just, yeah. <laughs> I was, the uh, the lighting doesn't seem to diminish when the warp core disappears either, which I thought was a, bad, which <laughs> yes. was a mistake. They should, it should look like you're out of power when that thing is gone. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong about this, someone with the technical man, it, it would seem like that should be the power source of the ship, really. It doesn't just make you go fast. It's also the power source of everything. Um, yeah. But anyway. The alien stuff, the homeless aliens. Um, homeless aliens was a good example of. I feel that there's meat on that seven bone that is not done justice through this. Like the the tragedy of what the Borg do was not effectively conveyed through these homeless aliens, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's because you only see one of them. Yeah, and like... And then all their other ships show up and you you don't see them. Yeah, (laughs) you don't see them. There's a lot of them, but they they don't. Like the... I feel there's a... There's a real... A much more way that's loaded with emotional connection and sort of sympathy for them this way that even their thievery is justified is like to the to the to the level that the Borg have like ruined their society. There's like a, there's like a sadness to that story. 
I don't think it comes across here at all whatsoever, really, unfortunately. No, and I wish it did because really. I think that's a really making seven reckon with that, I think, is probably the way to go at this point. And maybe they'll, they'll probably do it in the future, but it feels like this is the first chance and they didn't quite make contact with the ball. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that, that reminds me of the line I was thinking of. Uh, uh, Paris says something about um, always wanting to wait so long to make first contact or something mm-hmm. like that when they're out in that. That's the, that's, the, that's the, his, the, uh, his, his sexually his loaded line. line. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think, I honestly, I think this should have been its own episode because like, I agree. I think there's a lot there uh, for seven to have to reckon with. And she's, like she doesn't really interact with them at all. Like no. there's that one scene where he's, they're walking like, through the hallway. Tuvok blows up her shit. He's like, "Oh, that's a Borg." He <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he knows these he really people does. have been destroyed by the Borg. He's like, "Yeah, it's just the Borg on ship." Yeah, yeah, it's our. We got one. It's fine. <laughs> no big deal. It wasn't cheap. We didn't get assimilated like you pussies, but uh, we have a Borg. <laughs> oh, you don't have one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more you could do there, but I think, I think that's, that deserves its own episode, you know, yes. and that, and I do, and I also think that that's something that works better when seven is a bit more standoffish about where yes. she is, yeah. you know, <clears throat> cause, cause she's, uh, becoming more and more human. Um, <laughs> there's the scene, the scene with Janeway. Where she asks her if, if she's hungry or something, and and she's like no, and then and then Janeway is like, but you're becoming more human. You'll soon be wanting to eat food. And then in my head, I just had her had her saying, yes, I will be pooping soon. <laughs> <laughs> I also my alcove is stocked. That scene where uh, <laughs> where Janeway's like seven of nine. That's just too much to say. It's a mouthful. Is there any way we could shorten it? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I was hoping. I was hoping you would use at the beginning of the uh, the episode the clip of Costanza being like, I got a name for you. Seven. <laughs> Just seven. They stole the name. They stole my name. Yeah. that's Which of those came out first? I wish I, I should know that, but I don't know. Ooh, that's I would, a good question. I would assume this came out first. What year is this, Voyager? 97. It might have been the, hold on, let me see. That's. That's pretty late in, in Seinfeld. Seven episode of Seinfeld. That's season seven. Ninety-five. Yeah, so that was seven. The Seinfeld was first. Voyager copied Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a funny moment. It's just that's a seven and nine. It's a whole whole thing. I don't want to say that. I'll just call you call you Sept. <laughs> just call. It's like it's like the more um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The more um, reasonable version of that scene in in Solo mm-hmm. when he's like Chewbacca. No, that's not gonna work. We got to <laughs> think of something shorter than that. I have. Um, it reminded me of. I always I always find it a very interesting decision when people uh, deny you the ability to call them their commonly shortened name. Right? Like someone will be like, <laughs> "I'm not. I'm not Will. My name is William." And it's like, oh, yes. it's an interesting, it's an, it's an interesting power move to, <laughs> to play that when you're like, no, I go by the full, the full two souls. The one that's interesting that I've run into is I have a couple friends who I know traditionally by their shortened name, but their wives only call them by their full name. Yeah. And I'm not 
it's it's interesting. I don't think there's anything wrong with it or anything. It's just it's they've just chosen they've chosen to go with the the full the full name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I like how Amy only calls you Wesley. That's right. <laughs> with the with the Z that Z, that Z sound. Yes. No, my Wesley ended when I was in young elementary school. Teachers used to do it, and then it just fell off after that point. But no, I never, I never fought back. It's, I don't see why, why make people go through the extra work. Just shorten it. It's fine. Yeah, it's three letters. I tried, I tried to be uh, classy when I started doing comics and credit my my full name, Clayton. Yep. yep. And uh, very quickly, people who. I was like doing stuff with people who knew me. And so they would credit me as clay. And then it's just, Oh, I guess I'm clay now. (laughs) Ruined. This is ruined. No, but seven, seven goes along with it. She finds it acceptable that people call her just seven. I'm glad they have the conversation. I suppose. (laughs) Imagine, imagine if Janeway had been like, that's too long. What if we just call you Niner? (laughs) (laughs) We got this number theme going here. What if I shall call you Tim? Um, <laughs> we, I guess we're done with Day of Honor. Any other thoughts about this? Are you excited for the Torres and Paris relationship to blossom into something that you have to watch every week? Not particularly. Um, again, I, I think it all it all depends on how you do this stuff, right? Like if if they had been laying the groundwork for it, and then you get a payoff. That's great, but I don't I don't feel <clears throat> I am expecting it to be now they're just going to be arguing more and it's going to be that oh well they kiss at the end. Yeah, that's you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm just um you know, it can go both ways. I guess I, I really love DS9 had both worlds. It had uh Worf and Dax, which is probably my favorite Star Trek relationship. And then it had Odo gets neutered by Kira and both characters just stop existing for a season and a half. And it's like, all right, well, that was a bad decision. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So we'll see which way it I'm goes. In, I'm into that too. I feel like I feel like more shows should, when they put their characters together, if it doesn't work, they should recognize that and make that the story. Yeah. That it's just like, yeah, this was a bad idea. Yeah, objectively, maybe we're just better off as friends. No, I'd a hundred. I would. I wished. I wish DS Nine had done that. Like it, it wouldn't have made sense for the ending because Kira and Odo have to be together at the end of DS Nine for that ending to really be impactful. But if right. Odo didn't leave at the end, I wish that they had at least been like, "This was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done this. This was terrible." What is it? Uh, Community did that, I think, pretty well. Where they, <clears throat> the first season was, um, uh, Jeff and Britta getting together and mm. then at a certain point they were just like no i don't think this is gonna work yeah, and no. then they just moved on from it no yeah it's a it's a it's a decision uh, point to make yeah we'll see where this goes i knew that those two got together i did not realize it was so early in the show's yeah. run um i thought that was that I, felt like a season six development or something i wonder if the rationale is they planted the seed with that episode um, where they're married, the year of hell episode. And so it's like, well, everybody knows it's kind of going towards this anyway. So let's just do it instead of actually doing the legwork on it. Could be. 
Void, void, the relationships have not, obviously, you know, Kest is already gone and forgotten, but it's not, uh, the relationships have not been Voyager's strong point, mostly because the character work is less than some of the other shows, I think, although it's improving, obviously. So that's it for Day of Honor. If you guys enjoyed the content today, you're going to go to patreon.com slash the Penske file, support the show there. 200 podcasts you can availably, availably download. You can download that are available. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. We got some new stuff coming in 2024 as well. So you can check all that out. It's the best way to support the show. Thank you very much. And also, if you're a patron, you can leave comments about upcoming episodes and we read them and react to them. Discord is down, so I'm going to have to read all of this. So here we go. <sighs> Kyle Barrett says, Day of Honor. Why is it that every Tom and Bellana romance episode has Tom be some virtuous figure while Bellana has to change her whole mindset to accommodate him? She's right in her first assessment of him. He's a repugnant fucking cunt. Why are the writers convinced this guy is such a catch and unaware of his many failings? In this episode, he disturbingly states, quote, you owe me the courtesy of telling me what happened. Chats, <laughs> chats, that's a good, that's a power, that's, a, that's an alpha line there. Mr. Kyle chats up seven immediately after his talk with Bolana gives her the exact opposite advice of forgetting the past and living in the now as opposed to telling Bolana to embrace her Klingon past showing he's a hypocrite who only says what he does so he can get in their pants and then emotionally manipulates Bolana with their on the brink of death outside of Paris being awful. The seven stuff is decent and the episode almost says something interesting about both Bolana and seven feeling distant from their cultures, but it never quite comes together. Two corsets ribbed for her displeasure out of five. It would be funny. I'm curious. The the one thing I am curious about is how they decide to play the relationship because I, I feel like Bolana, I, there's, I feel like there's a little bit of stuff you could get into with Bolana not really knowing how to have a relationship with someone. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And it like it reminds me of the Simpsons in the episode where uh, Lisa has a crush on Nelson, and she's like, uh, "Do you want to go out with me?" And he's like, "Okay, do I have to do anything?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, like that that kind of that kind of energy where she's like, "All right, great, now what?" Yeah, so, I mean, Seven fills that fits that space, right? You just can't do it immediately with Seven because that's bizarre. To, to have her come on and be like the sexual point of everyone's attention, really. So they'll they'll put her in the suits, but they won't <laughs> do anything else. They should definitely in a, in one of the next episodes have Harry Kim, I guess, because there's if Paris is off with Torres, yeah, have Harry Kim go. Is it weird for me to be into her so quickly? <laughs> like, do I have? Should I wait, <laughs> or should it's, I just go for it? It's the it's the not another teen movie joke where they're like, oh, not her. She's got a ponytail and glasses. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's got Borg implants, not her. Tax Bears says, Day of Honor. I know it makes no sense because the franchise is called Star Trek, but seeing Star Trek characters in spacesuits always looks weird to me. Maybe it's because spacesuits are very rarely used in the franchise overall. Anyway, I like this episode because it's not a love slash breakup plot compressed down to 45 minutes. Bolana and Tom's romance is awkward at times, but to be honest, that's how it is in real life as well. I'm happy for the two. Two out of five or just the two of them? <laughs> Changeling says, Day of Honor, Day of Honor, but I hardly even know her. This episode was pretty weak. 
Exploring Tom and Bolana's romance is okay, but the B-plot of a species with a vendetta against the Borg coming in contact with a Voyager feels like it should have been the main focus, but it squandered the opportunity, instead going with Torres' terrible, no-good, very-bad day. Two Drake memes of not wanting a Borg in engineering, but okay with your attempted rapist being there out of five. Who's the attempted rapist? Oh, the, the Klingon guy. I mean, the Vulcan guy, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was trying to pawn fire himself. All yeah. Over. That guy's Vulcan performance has gone downhill. He was great when he started, and now he's just like. He ain't the focus. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He yeah. knows he's not the star. <laughs> all that nepotism. He's like Jerry Taylor's son, I think, or something. Oh, like is that. he really? Yeah, something interesting. Jonas says this. Dave- I was just going to say the stuff. Um, the seven stuff reckoning with the Borg thing. It's a shame that they kind of blew through it, but that feels like something you could very easily come back to. Yeah, the they, they'll have to come back to it soon. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's the. Uh, I think it's my same point. It's just, it's very difficult to identify what the Borg thing means to anyone yeah it's like it's an abstract concept that's very difficult to understand what it actually means to you as a person uh jonah says day of honor i wasn't sure which was the a plot and which was the b plot the paris slash Bolana romance plot was the more interesting of the two i did notice as kyle did that tom was oddly interested in seven during a romance plot involving his love for Bolana. seven steals every seven steals every scene she graces three out of five i I do really like her performance so far because I think she's she's got some robot there, but I don't think it's overbearing. I think it's like just enough to yeah, yeah. to give her a little bit of uh, weirdness. Yep, <clears throat> it's good so far. I agree. I think that she's um, she's a well drawn at this point decently acted character. I think that um, I mean, not well drawn, but she she has a thing in a way that the, is unique to the show. There's like a, a direction with her right away. Um, yeah. and, she's, and she's done well with it so far. Uh, Paris, I I don't have the... Vi- I don't know how, how uh, Kyle makes good points. I don't know how true or how authentic he feels about it. I don't find Paris to be wildly unlikable of a character, I guess. I just don't... No. Like he's not. Should he be sleazy? Should the show be aware that he's sleazier than they think he is? I feel like he was sleazier earlier on, and they've just kind of the fact that they haven't used him very much has kind of led to this so-called character development that he's had, where he's, yes. he's like a different man now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once they got rid of Shea Fook, it was yeah. He, did, he, he just he, had no no reason. Became to be. respectable, I guess. I, cause I like, I like Bobby Dunks's performance. I think like with the, with the right kind of character, I think he's fine. He's sort of like a milder Riker in a lot of ways. Like I, I feel like he yeah. can fit that mold, but he just, he doesn't have the, um, I don't think they give that character enough of like a thing really that he's, he's into. I don't know. I read Jones, Bobby right? Dunks. Uh, I've been, I, I caught up on. Lower decks recently, and yeah, uh, he's in the the finale playing his character from TNG. Oh, the uh, the Locarno or whatever that guy. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. He's the he's the villain, the overarching villain of the entire season. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> <clears throat> it's pretty good. 
Jaron Hatch says, Day of Honor. What a strange and aimless episode. The execution was uh, the execution was actually fairly decent with the alien makeup being notable, an a notable highlight, excuse me. But what exactly was the plot? That Torres was having a bad day? Maybe it's about her feelings for Paris or perhaps her feelings about vague Klingon tradition stuff? I don't know, but at least Janeway and Seven are here because once again, they get the best stuff in the episode. 2.5 plot lines that aren't really plot lines out of five. Matthew Ross says, Day of Honor, a collection of two stories with Blana stuff, which was interesting as to her stresses and uncomfortable feelings about her heritage or with Tom. Being extra nice to aliens obviously has got to stop, even if you know how to make thorium, because you can't save everyone, Janeway. Paris seems seemingly hits on seven, and it was appropriately sleazy. As to the usual tension at the spacesuits, well, you know what was going to happen, but how many lost shuttles is this? The best scene, which I felt showed some realistic consideration, was how tenuous the ship's abilities are without its warp core, and its ejection was very cool visually. Three cores out of five. I was thinking about that scene with Seven and Paris, and I was trying to figure out if he was purposefully kind of hitting on her, yeah. or if it's just his delivery makes it feel that way. It's his delivery. I, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I don't. I don't think he was actively. I don't, I, I don't, th- I don't think he even has a line that could be considered a double entendre or anything like that. I think he's just, I think that's just the way he has to play that, yeah. the way that the actor plays that scene. Yeah. I thought it was an unnecessary conversation between the two of them. I thought that that's, sure. why, that's probably the reason why it seems so strange is because he doesn't really have to tell her this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Norman Buckwald says, Day of Honor, okay, here is where the challenge in spite of itself brings things down just a bit. The relationship of Torres and Paris, while worked on for about a season, was more often clumsy, and there were times fans questioned if there was any chemistry. I know fans who insisted it was never there, similar with, say, Kira and Odo. But the direction to tell from the perspective of Bolana and not Tom is what made it work. It's just the stranded trope was not very novel. It was sometimes hard to hear clearly what the characters were saying in their spacesuits. And the eventual I love you should have been replied with the Star Wars I know. Seven's story with the refugees from a post-Borg invasion was actually more interesting. And her ability to give technology back to them that they forgot about was rather clever. Even if her saying you're welcome may have been a bit fast, it was good. He thought that I love you was more appropriate than welcome than seven saying you're welcome, <laughs> which is that's an interesting that's an interesting distinction. Uh, even okay. if her saying you're welcome may have come of it fast, it was good. I'll give it three point five. Looking at the watch, wondering when Voyager was finally going to rescue uh, P slash T out of five. I think the thing we're not going to get from the Bellana and Paris relationship is that weird episode where you get hot Odo. Yeah. From the future. Oh he's yeah. Like, I've got. He's been I've in a Miami uh, retirement community. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Hot middle-aged Odo. That was a great episode. Children of Time. That was a really good episode. Star Trek. Uh, Grappler John Zone says, "Day of Honor. This is why smart people don't give to charity. If you're for some reason tempted <laughs> to give a small quantity of thorium isotopes to those people, they'll just want all of your thorium isotopes." They'll steal your warp core. They'll demand you turn over your new zombie nacelle candy, and they'll leave you stuck floating in space with Tom Paris for your trouble. Fuck the needy. Three pickle-garnished blood pies out of five. Ebenezer Scrooge over here. What's that? Decreasing the surplus population. Patrick Seba says, We got a new toy. Rick's done it again. He's right. This new chick is fun. Her countenance gruff, her costume enough to show us that she's not a nun. 
Now eject the core, kill Tom, I implore. Ugh, fine, it can all be undone. Let Torres gets mad and aliens get sad, but seven of nine becomes seven of one. Two lonely Klingons playing with pain sticks in an abandoned holodeck out of five. So much potential, so little follow through. Couple we more. have all this pie left over. You must eat it, or at least take it home with you. Now, while the pain sticks were going with the battle with her, the guy in the back should have just had an ADR line just going like, the pie, watch out for the pie. <laughs> You'll spill the wine. Uh, Old Klingon proverb says it's better to make too much than to make not enough. Now, would you like to take some home for your mother? <laughs> Gives her a Tupperware on her way out of the, uh, out of the holodeck. That's the plastic bowl of cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Microwave safe. Kalos was not only a fine warrior, but his lasagna was well done all the way through. <laughs> Never. Artorias says, Day of Honor, the saying goes to repay evil with evil is human. To repay, repay good with evil is wicked. And to repay evil with good is divine. Given the context of this episode, it should have been more aptly named the wicked and the divine. We get to see the high point of Starfleet morality on display when despite all that's done, Voyager still helps the Katat, Katati? Yeah, I guess that's what their name is. And the Katati have the gall to complain that nobody wants to take them in after they just treated someone who helped them this way. Three acts of kindness out of five. Someone mentioned the, the makeup before. The makeup was pretty impressive. Yeah. And that is probably why there's only one of them in the episode because yeah. I think that would be quite the undertaking to do multiple of those yeah. makeup jobs. <clears throat> I do like that saying, uh, repay evil with evil is human, to repay good with evil is wicked, and to repay evil with good is divine. It's an interesting one. David Dunphy says, day of honor, how in the hell does Tom outrank Torres? She's the chief engineer. He just drives the ship. Doesn't matter. He's a white man. <laughs> he outranks <laughs> <he> her. <laughs> Uh, Benjamin Espinoza says, Day of Honor, What's he, what first seems like it would be a typical Klingon episode, he capitalized Klingon and episode, so I don't know if that was intentional, Klingon episode, turns into a fantastic character study about two alien species learning to be a little bit more human through their interaction with the greedy Katati. What to do with Seven? Placing her in the middle of typical Starfleet diplomacy lets us see these interactions with fresh eyes, while we, along with Janeway, are a little unsure if she can be trusted yet. Did she sabotage the ship? It's deemed an accident, but questions remain. Dot, dot, dot. Four blood pies out of five. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for leaving your thoughts about this episode at patreon.com slash file. We have a shortage of forks here at the Day of Honor, <laughs> so keep your silverware. I hope that guy returns. I hope that that becomes the new <laughs> Shea Fook, just that guy. He should become the waiter in, in that new oh Bally's. Oh, my God, that fitness. would be amazing. We're yeah. due for a new holodeck scene, right? Have we? we I don't think we've seen the uh, the beach place this season. Oh, are you kidding me? You do you? Rick has highlighted on his calendar <laughs> the day they get to take seven to the fucking beach. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Also, I um, I said in a previous episode that Jerry Ryan seemed a little bit shorter than I expected. I think something was weird in that she's. Much taller than Janeway, I think. At least they're yeah. shooting her that way. Well, she's she's got she's got big heels on. Yeah, too. she's got those shoes on. But I just, it, it, it was something that surprised me because I remembered saying that in a previous episode. Anyway, that's it. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, on our scale of one to five, I think the patrons gave this one an average of th- three, I think, would be yeah. our guess. What are you going to give it? 
I'm going to give it a high three. <clears throat> I think it's better than a lot of the threes from last season. Um, but I think it's a little messy uh, to really come together and, and, and be one that I, I would really um, go to bat for. I'm going to give it a three as well. I think it's um, – I like the direction the show seems to be going. I think that could probably only lead to better episodes. But uh, this one felt a little bit underbaked in pretty much all the stories. So I, I think I'm just going to end up giving it a three. I, re- I like the seven stuff a little bit more. I wish they had done more with it. I wish they had done less with the Tom and Bolana stuff. So it kind of evens out somewhere in the middle. I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly kind of surprised that they um, that the main story so soon is this Tom and like this Balana story. Yeah, when you've got seven right there, and it's like we don't know anything about this character. I'm I'm surprised they didn't go right into it with her and have her be like the yeah <clears throat> the lead of the, the the episode. Yeah, yeah. I guess you do. But maybe that would have made Kate Mulgrew even more mad than she was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll see how that how that pays off. But so far, Seven's been a good addition to things, so I can't complain. The actors can complain all that they want, but we're we're still very early to draw any conclusions about um character representation at this point. Like who who gets the, the short shrift of this change? Besides think Cass, a, who got yes. sent into the oblivion. Do you think there's a deleted scene like an outtake where Mulgrew is like, seven of nine, that's quite a mouthful. What if we just call you trash? <laughs> yeah, there is. What if we just call you usurper? <laughs> <laughs> what if we, I wonder if Braga starts dating Jerry Ryan at some point too. What? So, yeah. Does he really? Yeah. Rick, I know. <laughs> oh no, the Brandon. Oh, Brand, okay. Brandon. I, said, I mean, okay, that's blame, fine. You can blame Rick. That's so. fine. Berman. Berman keeps his hands off of uh, off of her. I think he's like a. He's turned into just like a uh, Harvey Weinstein type character, but in our, in <laughs> our minds let's, here, let's hope not. Yeah, that's it for. <laughs> he would never honor. do anything illegal. No. He's just in the bit. He's just. In we the have back. to say that legally. <laughs> I don't think Rick Berman has ever done anything actually illegal. That's no. my opinion. This is Day of Honor for Star Trek. We are done with it. Next episode is. Uh oh, I'll scroll up and try to find it. Nemesis, not the movie, the episode. Oh. So, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you later. <laughs>